0: Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about how to be a better player?
1: Uh, heck yes. There is not enough information like this out there.
0: Agreed. And Welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host who occasionally plays a character in a game, Phil.
1: And I am your other host who plays characters all the time, Senda.
0: (laughs) And uh, welcome back, Pandas Talking Games. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a... We're going to actually number this episode because we're going to talk about a thing tonight. But we're also going to save a little time at the end to talk about uh, stuff that's giving us life outside of gaming.
1: And... Just and like the other chit chats, I will not be editing this episode, so find your outtakes embedded throughout the show.
0: We've hidden them. We've carefully hidden them throughout the entire show. <laughs> See hunt. if you can find them all. There are 12
1: of them. Ooh, now I. Oh, boy. Why would you say that? <laughs> Because is this it, it, the first one? <laughs> because
0: it will either be true or it won't.
1: I was like, "Do I have to?" Somebody's going to work
0: now? really hard to try to figure it out,
1: though.
0: <laughs> anyway, okay. Our topic for tonight comes from where?
1: Um, it comes from the released podcast. This is a, a whole thing that we're going to probably address over. What, what do we think right now? Maybe two episodes? Maybe two. Maybe two? We're going to say yep. two for right now. So, And I know that this conversation went on free from here um, on our forums, so y'all can check out our forums and remember that you can put in topic ideas for us under the Pandas Talking Games section of the Misdirected Mark forums. But the released podcast asked, um, not as much a question as a suggestion for almost a whole series. Um, we're going to aim for two, but we'll see. Um, but I'd really be interested in advice aimed at players. I mean, there's often good nuggets, um, relevant to players, but I find advice, um, not just at MMP is 99% aimed at GMs. Um, we agree with that statement. That seems to be pretty true across the board. Right. Um, So, the question is, how to get advice across to players when you are a GM who listens to or reads um, online resources, but your players are not available or interested in consulting those resources themselves. Um, I'm afraid I come across as pedantic, or they might feel threatened in their agency if I start to say that's how you should do it. Also, leading through example has proven to be not enough. Um, So... We thought that was super interesting because when we started thinking about it, as I said, we very much agreed that um, there's not actually that much content that is aimed at players specifically investing in becoming better players. Right. Like, yep. there's so much information out there for GMs. So much, because people are like, I want to be a better GM. How do I do that thing? And so you can find tons of things on this show, on this network, across the internet at large, on Gnome Stew, all over the place, right? About being a better game master. Books about it. Entire books. Some of them written by this lovely gentleman sitting across the Zoom camera from me. There is a ton of GMing advice. There is not as much player advice. In fact, it's sort of hard to come by.
0: Yeah. I think in, in talking about this, I think that I'll pause for a second. What I want to do first is kind of talk a little bit about why this is. Sure. Yes. And then I want to talk a little bit about actually answering the question about how we could, and I'm not saying I'm doing this in one answer. I'm saying this is how I'd like the conversation to go. Sure. I would like us then to talk about how one could build up a culture like that sure so i'll address what i think is um part of the problem you've nailed you nailed part of it which is you i think have nailed the symptom which is there is a disproportionate amount of jamming advice on the internet compared to player advice yes correct and, and i will say that i think there are some um i think there are some things in our hobby that aren't actually true that have led to this yeah so um the first one is that – the first one is – and I, I think this is completely true – is that we have created a culture where improving your skills as a GM is a uh, a thing to achieve. Yes. Right? It's, it's like an achievement. Uh, but we don't do the same thing about being a, a great player. Yes. Right? So – We do acknowledge that there are people who are great players and we acknowledge there are people who are great GMs and we acknowledge that there are problem players and problem GMs. But the difference between the two is that when you hear somebody talk about GMing, they almost always talk about it in terms of constant improvement. Yes. Right. So like you hear somebody like, oh, I ran my first session. It was really clunky. And, you know, like the story went completely off the, you know, off of what I had planned. But it was amazing, whatever, whatever. And I hope to, you know, I hope to improve. Yep. But you never hear players talk like that. No. You never hear a player who's like, I sat down with my character. I think I had kind of a mediocre night in terms of my contributions to the game, but I'm really going to like focus and try to like next week, I'm going to come back uh, and really just like play harder. Yeah. We, we never hear that. And, and I think it's in part because GMs have been for the longest time in this hobby expected to uh, be in this kind of state of constant improvement. And I say this as a, um,
1: as a forever GM, you're a forever GM.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> we're gonna be racking up like 40 years of GMing soon.
1: Yes. So in in nearly
0: 40 years of GMing, I've never not worked at being a better GM. Yeah. Right? Like I've always like kind of I've always analyzed the games I've run. Uh, I mean, I do this on two podcasts. Like you've said, I've written books about it. I've written 200 plus articles on Gnome Stew about it, right? Like the, the idea of GM improvement is, is something that's been part of me for almost the better part of a decade. But I'm also a player in a game and I never do this as a player <laughs> in a game, right? Like I never like finish up a game and been like, oh, you know, I don't think I embodied my character As best as I could tonight. I really gotta, like, really gotta work on that next week kind of thing. I'm just like, oh, game's over. Cool game, dude. Thanks. That was fun. And then, like, I'm rolling off to do something else. Is it it different for you?
1: Yeah. I was gonna actually say, I have, I've never left a game going, oh man, I gotta play my character harder. I have left games going, ooh, I don't know if I shared Spotlight really well this week. That's I fair. I feel like I stepped That's on fair. some toes. I'm going to pay more attention to that next week, right? And I've left games going, um, wow, I'm really impressed with the other people at my table and how they were able to bring something really cool in and make this like whole thing happen or whatever it is. Or, you know, oh... I, I, You know, I sat down and I watched Brett tonight take a scene that could have just been one person and turn it into a four-person scene by bringing everybody in really effectively. And can I learn from that experience of being brought into that scene so that I can do that for other people at that table or other tables, right? Like, I have left games thinking that, but I never sit down and talk to people about it afterwards. Like, we talk about jamming advice, right? Um, do you ever
0: sit around and, like, think to yourself, like, okay... How could I, like, you know, like, what, what incremental thing could I work on to make myself better?
1: So the really interesting that. thing that I was thinking about when we started talking about this topic is that I haven't written anywhere near as many articles for Gnomes Two as you have, right? Like, that's fine. But a whole slew of mine are categorized under player articles. And they're because I actually sat down and analyzed those experiences that I had as a player and was like, how can I tell someone else... How to do this thing that I or someone at my table learned to do that I think is really valuable as a player, and like there's not a ton of them, but like I know that I have at least a couple of articles that landed under that player perspective category on Gnome sure. Stew because I was thinking about that. That's totally not the norm, but no, I, I agree. I, it is interesting to me that like without necessarily thinking about it, I have actually done it, which I think is going to connect us to where we're going to get.
0: Yeah. Now and we have uh, what's <laughs> called. We have in the past yes. done episodes where we've done our two points of view, and we've done it uh, GM and player. Yes, with you often being the player point of view. It's true um, because
1: because I play more than you do.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually like a habitual you, running GM. You're like a I don't GM.
1: Yes. <laughs> I yeah, like
0: I am up to what is it? 3 campaigns and I'm actually eyeing up a fourth one.
1: I am a very um, 50/50 player, right? Like yeah. I run I play pretty much equally to how much I run, sometimes more depending on what's going on at that particular moment. I,
0: I actually play in one campaign. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if I'm a great player in that campaign. I think I'm like a mediocre player in that campaign.
1: Well, maybe we should be talking about what you could do to make that better.
0: <laughs> I think, I mean, I think we may use that as a case study as we get to, uh, yeah.
1: Part as we get two. to our
0: <laughs> part two on this. So so for sure, there is a mindset where GMs are kind of expected to be constantly improving, where I don't, like, I think it's great that you have that self-initiating uh outlook on it yeah but i don't think it's ever been something that's been a solid part of the hobby
1: i don't think that we have a culture as a whole that encourages that particular kind of thought from players i agree with you and and i think it's i mean it's hard for me to tell if other people also think those you know like oh that was cool how do i do that i'm sure other people do but we don't sit down and talk about it
0: we don't i mean we don't have the volume of of blogs. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't have blogs dedicated to it. We don't have podcasts that are like the ultimate player podcast. We have, um, we identified a couple books. Yep. But even those only talked about like very specific facets of playing. Yeah. Not even the, and we'll talk about those books either, um, this time or next time. But, um, even those only covered like specific facets. Like there is no definitive book on, um, being There's no definitive player. book on being a great player, yeah. and I'm going to tell you that I have like a small stack of books, sl- uh, ones I have not written on game mastering. Yes, like I have collected them over the years um, on a great many topics. Now, I'll, I'll go into what I think is the other fallacy because I, you opened my eyes to this. Mm-hmm. I did not think about this, but you opened my <laughs> eyes to it. So I'm gonna, it I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it. Yep, and then I'm gonna let you yep. carry it away. Okay one of the running jokes on this show has always been that as a GM, um, you have to do eight things at once. Yep. Right. We've been very non, and and the tongue in cheek part of it is that uh, we always say it's eight things. We never define them. Yes. Uh, And even (laughs) if we ever do define them, we never define them the same way twice, which is kind of reflective of the idea that as a GM, um, there's a whole lot of things you have to do during a game. And, sometimes they literally just change from game to game, right? Sometimes you have to do these things in one game and not these things in another, whatever, but you're always as a GM operating on managing a number of different levels of the game and kind of keeping the game going and all of that. And we joke that like the player just has to show up and play.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. But in talking about this, and I'm going to pass this to you in a second, in talking about this today, uh, we identified, like, we were st- we were having this discussion of what makes a good player, and we kind of came to a realization, and that was...
1: That was specifically that the same skills that make you a good GM will make you a better player. Right? And that's because... So, so we actually started listing things out, right? Because we were like, well, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, what are some of the things that make a good player like how do you define a good player like you know what are the things that they do and as i started listing them out i looked at them and i said yeah but these are the same things we tell gms (laughs) that they need to do to be good gms right except that your your priorities are a little bit different right Mm, No, you know your priorities what did we say I had this conversation. I said it right the first time. You should say what I said before.
0: (laughs) What you said, what struck me that was interesting is that most of the skills that we attribute to GMs, that players do that, but in supporting the GM in doing that.
1: Yes, that is what I said, right? Yeah, because so you're playing, you are using all of the same skills, but you are using them in a supporting role versus in a leading role, right? Um, Which is really interesting because um, it is another way to even potentially apply the facets of like proactive versus reactive. If you wanted to put it in that way, you could. Um, Although it's part of the reason that having a proactive reactive conversation is tricky because I feel like you can apply those titles to GMs or to players, et cetera. Um, But it means that you have someone who is directing the story But I, as a player, am doing many of the same things, or maybe all of the same things, as the GM to support and keep that story moving forward and to be invested in the other players at my table just as much as I'm invested in myself. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that was what really struck me was that, like, for a lot, for a long time, we've discounted the skills that uh, a good player has in a game. Um, and we all know that good players have some sort of skills because we know what good players look mm-hmm. like, right? We, we know, know when,
1: when we have a really good one at the table, right? Right. You know. And, and,
0: <laughs> right. And it's largely because that player is helping to make things happen in the game, which is the supporting part of what you're saying. Yep. If the GM is in a traditional GM player model, if a GM is like putting out the story content, then... A good player on the supporting side is uh, is running with that. Yes, right. Like they're taking it and they're advancing it forward. If the GM is trying to uh, manage spotlight, a good player knows uh, when to let their spotlight go, when to pull other people into it, mm-hmm. um, when to lead with it, that kind of thing. Right. So we know, like you know, sometimes we'll say this player is a very generous player. Right. Right. Because they share their spotlight. Um, other times will say that a player is a very imaginative player or a rainmaker, right? Because they bring spontaneity to the game. Like they help propel things forward.
1: Yes. Another thing that I will actually say is it is also perfectly possible for you as a player and as a GM to make sure that that you don't take actions that make a failure that just causes the game to stop, right? So if you say, ooh, a cursed gauntlet, I'm just going to put that on and I as a player say, no, I'm going to stop him. Right. Okay, I stop you, and you know, whatever, and now nothing happens, wah-wah, versus you as a player, I'm like, oh no, don't put it on, and you put it on anyway, and now I get to react to you, the story is moving forward, which is very similar to if I'm a GM, and I say, um, you know, and you roll a a two, and I'm like, well, you failed, versus, oh, you failed, and also now, (laughs) like, how can that failure move the story forward so that something still happens, Right. It's interesting because you as a player have the same obligation to not put roadblocks in the way of the continuation and forward momentum of the story that a GM has.
0: I'm going to rein this in a little because yeah. I think we're getting into a little bit of next week's I topic.
1: agree, but it's exciting. <laughs> Sorry. Okay.
0: So to back up, to go to the like, why don't players do this? Right. What we've said is that we've said that one, there isn't a lot of um, collated information. Yep. Right. Collated, curated Information on this topic. There's not a large discourse about it. Yep. I, again, I'll I'll cite that if you go to like back when conventions were a thing, um, when you went to a convention, <laughs> there are like tons of there are tons of gming seminars. Yes. Very very few. I'm not going to say none. Very few player oriented seminars. Yes. Um, so again, there's there's this cultural thing. Right that's part of the problem. There's there's a lack of information. There's a cultural thing where we expect GMs to constantly be improving, but we don't seem to expect that from players. Yes. And then there is um there's the idea that like one we've never really I guess the idea is that what we're looking at is that um in the past we've kind of made it we like you know people have lightheartedly said like players have it quote easy. Right. Right. But I think what we're really coming to understand is that players exercise the same amount of skills just in a different way than a GM does. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually important because that does say to us that um, if there are this many things going on, there's clearly room for improvement. And we know that there is because we know the difference between a good player, bad player, and we know the difference between a rookie player.
1: Yeah. And somebody
0: who has not honed their skills and somebody who is a very comfortable seasoned player. Yeah. And, and those are things we can sense as well. Yeah. Okay. So acknowledging that there is a difference in this and that it is easy to get GMs to sit and talk about GMing stuff um literally anytime
1: <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: literally anywhere yeah. on any platform
1: yep <laughs> like yep just throw yeah. out a hot take and we'll all come running and just
0: watch it or just throw out a question don't even hot take yeah. right just be like be like i don't know what's the best way to start a mystery and then just leave it on twitter <laughs> and watch like what happens the after waves. that right yes yeah it's great because GMs love helping other GMs, yeah. right? GMs are generous with other GMs in terms of advice. So understanding all of that, how do we then, to get back to the original question, yes. how can we create a culture? And I'm not going to say a culture as in in within the game industry, because that is way too big. How do we create a culture within our circle yeah. of gamers? How do we create a culture about being better players
1: yeah
0: um so i will toss out we'll just we have not we've not rehearsed this part or even really talked much about it (laughs) i will toss out what i think is my first um my first thought about this is so one i think that everybody you know within a group pretty much everybody's playing on some level right unless unless, even even i'm playing games so, so everybody's playing yes so i think the first part of it is it needs to acknowledge that being a good player is using a lot of skills, right? If we just simplify it, like like we have in the past, and we're just like, "Oh, players show up to play," right? And and you know, if we make it sound like that, then it doesn't really sound like there's anything to improve, right? Right? And there's a thing I've said for a long time, and I, I you know I said it in um, Never Unprepared, right? Uh, when you name something. Uh, you have power over it, yeah, right, so one of those guy, kind of my guiding philosophy for um teaching gming advice, and I think it holds up true here for for player advice is that if we can name things, then we can consciously work on them to be better, yes, right so so the first part of this culture is acknowledging that being a player is a multi skilled multi facet um, talent.
1: Right. And I will add to that and, and acknowledging that it's something that can be learned, that it's something that can be honed and that it uses those specific skills that can be practiced. Right. Cause that's, those are yep. the parts of it we don't think of. I,
0: I will say that I think the next thing that you have to add is we need to place value on what it means to be a good player.
1: Yeah. I really right? because, agree with
0: that. <laughs> right. Because we we acknowledge when somebody is a good GM. Yeah. Right. And if you're a good GM, like there's a the thing. Like when you're a good GM, you can always get players. Yeah. Right. But we but what we would really like to see, and to some extent I think this kind of happens inside groups and stuff like that. But um what you would like to see is the in the converse of that, which is you want to see GMs kind of beating down the door (laughs) to get like a particular good player in their game. Well, now we do, we do this to some extent, but again, we rarely describe it in terms of like, this player is a great improv player or this player is a fine tactician. um, This player super knowledgeable. We're just, you know, we often simplify it again to, you know, Schmidt's a cool player. You should definitely have Schmidt in your game.
1: Right. Well, um, the interesting thing I was just going to say, and I didn't do a lot at Gen Con Online, but I ended up playing one game at Gen Con Online. Why did I play this game? I played the game because Wen was playing the game and I wanted to play a game with him. Sure. Right? Like, which is the like player equivalent of like this GM is awesome, so you should play this game. Cool. Well, I know that someone is in this game that I really enjoy playing games with, yep. so I want to play in this game.
0: Yeah, so I think that there's, I think that, so one, we got to acknowledge that there's many skills. Two, I think we got to place a value on that, right? As yeah. a community, we need to place value that like so-and-so is a great player. Yeah. Generous, safe, whatever the whatever the terms that we're going to kind of um, help come up with in the next episode. Yeah. Um, they're, the, they're that kind of player and that's valuable. Oh, you want this player in your game. They're going to make like they're going to make your table better or they're going to make a great story for you. Yeah. Okay, so I think value.
1: So let me um, tack one thing onto value. Because sure. what that also means, um, part of that is um, valuing being a good player the same way that we value a good GM, which is sort of what you're, what you're saying, except that we have a tendency to consider GMing as a more prestigious thing to do right and therefore something that you would invest more time in so it also means that we have to value people who play games um in the same way that we value people who run games
0: i mean let's be clear there isn't any game to be run
1: if there aren't any players if, if, if there aren't
0: <laughs> any players to play it yeah right a gm cannot sit by themselves and play a game yeah um a GM needs players. So yes, absolutely. Right. Players are players are valuable. Yeah. Um, players are. And you're right. And there shouldn't be right. any difference. And again, it, we and again, I think part of it gets to this thing where culturally we have been like the GM does more work than the player, which in our in our, you you know, our U.S., you know, uh, roll up your sleeves, puritanical <laughs> backgrounds they do more work means they must be more valuable
1: right yeah
0: i'm not saying that's right i'm saying that this is the poor ass logic yeah that has that has not great has led to this
1: capitalism has done this to us
0: (laughs) yeah like we so (laughs) and and again what we're saying is that it's not even true because good players are actually doing all the same things Now, I will say there's another thing in this culture thing that you're going to have to break. And I think this is the key piece. And I don't know if I have a solution for it yet. But I will tell you this is the key piece that if you can break this belief about players, you will create the culture you're looking for.
1: Interesting. Which is? I wait with bated breath.
0: GMs Mm -hmm. are expected to work outside of the game Mm -hmm. players are not so a gm so in gm culture we we have to prep games we have campaign management uh sometimes we have player management right like we have to manage like you know often we're the people who are scheduling the game and all that stuff so when you take on the mantle of being a gm right the mantle. See already. Uh-huh. Let me let me stop. I know. Let me stop. Even let me break it right there. Even
1: the words that we use.
0: <laughs> when you accept the role of GM, sure,
1: <laughs> that is
0: more. I think that is more That's equal. More right? Fair, yeah. When you accept the role of GM, you have already accepted that you're going to do work outside the game. Mm-hmm. So when you start reading articles about um, GM improvement. You're like, cool, I'm I'm just like, I, I will do that as well as I'm working on my game. Yeah. Right. Because I'm already working outside the game. But we know that for the most part, that there isn't the same expectation on players, that as long as players kind of have their notes together, level up their character when, you know, in between games or whatever, that characters don't have, quote, homework. Right. So... It's very like the character, the player mindset is you come to the table, you play the game. Hopefully you do a nice job of playing it. um, And then when you're done, you're done. Yeah. Like you go home. And this is where I think the real problem is because once we identify skills to work on and once we identify techniques and things like that, and sources of material to learn from books, books, you know, from other um, from other arts and things like that, the key part of this is going to be that players are going to want to do that outside of the game,
1: which I think ties back to our first point. We have to place value on being a better player, and we have to yes. value being a good player as much as we value being a good GM. Because the reason that a GM spends time outside to get everything done is because they want to be a good GM. Yep. Right.
0: So this is, this is like the key for me. This is the key piece that you have to break is you got like, we have to start thinking of players like GMs where there is stuff you do outside of the game. And that constant skill improvement is something that is expected from good players, right? We expect GMs to be constantly improving. We should expect players to constantly be improving. Mm -hmm. And we also need to then also that I think that goes hand in hand with this is that we also need to, uh, move past the mindset that the only way you become a good player is by sitting and playing. Yeah. Not true.
1: Not true. I mean, the practice is important in the same way that our standard advice for GMing is just do it right. Like you got to do it. Um, but once you've done it and you, you've you had an experience, there are ways and means that you can then address that or be like, that was really cool. How do I do more of that? That thing that I did I really didn't like or that someone else did I really didn't like. Like, how I see what that is in that particular situation, but, like, how can I break that down into a thing that I can make sure that I personally avoid doing to someone else in a future game? Right? Like. What is that? You, you stymied them so they didn't get to do the thing they wanted to do and nothing came of it and it was boring and it stopped the story. Okay, it's so like, how do you not... I, what are the lessons that you can take away from that and how can you learn more about those things and how can you learn how to avoid them and practice those skills? Which is what yeah. we'll talk about next time, but...
0: Yeah, exactly. But like, I'm just having this thought, right, as we're just having this spontaneous conversation. And so my thought is, what I would love to see... Is I would love to see the opposites of almost all of my articles. So, for instance, for instance, if I'm well, a GM, I
1: gotta start rolling up my sleeves here. Well, here we let me go. Give me an example. Bring it.
0: I, I, I'll give you. I'll give you a hypothetical. Sure. So, if I'm a GM and I'm going to start running Trail of Cthulhu, sure. All right, Pelgrane's um, uh, Pelgrane's Cthulhu Gumshoe game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. The here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to look up, I'm going to look up techniques for uh, GM, like I'm going to look up techniques for GMing gumshoe, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to find a ton of them, right? Ken and Robin have done articles. Other people have written articles. I think we, I think Misdirected Mark did some when we were running Knights Black Agents, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm going to find a whole bunch of things about running gumshoe. Yep. And then I'm going to look up GMing Cthulhu. Mm-hmm or GMing Lovecraftian stories. And I'm going to find, people are going to tell me, like, go to Lovecraft-esque and read the essays and that. Go look at, you know, go listen to Ken and Robin, whatever. Like, like, there's a multitude of those. If I'm playing Trail of Cthulhu, I'm not saying it isn't out there, but I'm betting it is much harder to find the article that says, here's how to be the best trail of Cthulhu player.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think it's interesting, right? Because I can immediately start thinking of things. I think the difficult part of this is going to be finding that kind of information, right? So there's going to be a certain level of player advice that belongs in every game in the same way that there is GMing advice that works for every game, right? Like there's a yes. certain layer I mean,
0: that's just going to be true. The basis of right, the basis of all GMing advice is communication, right? right? And the basis and of suspect- all
1: player advice is going to be communication, right? Like,
0: right. <laughs> um, but I think that I think that if you, I, so I think I'm going to just I'm going to try to jump off of what you're saying if you don't mind really quick. Yeah. If we collect a group of players, yes we make our own little circle. Yep. We then have all the source we need to have these discussions. Yeah. Right, because then we could sit down and be like, "Cool, I'm I'm, you know, we're going to I'm going to start playing in this game. Does anybody have any cool tips for having, you know, like how to play mysteries well or how to be detectives?"
1: Right. And I think that's more what it comes down to is if I was searching for something, I would be searching for things like um how to manage, you know, um, tragic arcs, story arcs, right? Like you might be able to find some things from um, even just writing advice for about writing about main characters and that kind of thing. Because if I know that I'm heading into a game that is Cthulian, then I assume that things are going to come to a bad end. Um, you know, what do those story arcs look like? What makes a really satisfying one? What are some beats that I could try to work into how I'm going to do things? Um... How do I um, effectively manage, you know, maybe secrets seems like something that would come up in a mystery or a Cthulhu game, right? So, like, I might be looking up, like, managing secrets at the table with players or something along those lines, which I happen to know there's at least one article out there out because I wrote it and it's about players keeping secrets. Um, So, you know, it's going to be that kind of thing where you're breaking down more specifically to not necessarily going out on the internet and being like how to be the best player for trail of cthulhu because you're probably not going to find that much because being that specific i just don't think that there is going to be that much content out there to find we,
0: we need people to go make
1: that oh content. i know like i said i'm roll. i'm i'm having some thoughts i haven't been writing anywhere near as many articles as i should for gnome stew and i'm having some thoughts and feels right now about that and um I'm not making any promises. <laughs> we'll see
0: what happens. It's pandemic. It's, it's pandemic. it's pandemic time. Nobody's nobody's requiring you to make promises. No, at
1: this point. but but I'm but I'm thinking about it, right? Um, so it would be it would be neat to me um, for sure to you know think about things because people will write like you know a series of ten articles on like the top jamming skills or whatever. Like I think it would be cool to write a series of articles on like the basic player skills.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So I and
0: and I would like to see I would like to see all of it. Right. I would like to see articles about basic player skills. I would like to see articles about playing particular genres. I would like to see articles about playing particular systems and
1: really specific, weird things and like all of that stuff. I would like to see all of it, too. Um, because that would actually be really interesting to me. It's really interesting to me because as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm getting excited about it because I wish that I could find that stuff because I would read all of it. I said I'm getting excited about it. He's telling me that I'm getting too
0: (laughs) You're going too fast.
1: (laughs) What do you think? They won't be able to understand me. Anyway.
0: You're getting there.
1: um, But I'm not editing this, so you better keep going. (laughs)
0: So, I think that to sum up, because I think we're at the time where it would be a good place to kind of tie this off. I agree. Is that uh, if you want to make this culture, you're going to have to find some like-minded people. Yes. You're going to have to uh, create a forum in which to have these discussions. Yep. Um, you're going to um, You're going to want to start asking questions... Uh, like this like how do i do this better do i do that better i think our next week um our next week episode about some specific skills will help with that it will not it will by no means be comprehensive but i think we'll give you some ideas of where to look yeah and then um if that takes sharing it to a larger group yeah right having um a zoom call with other players from elsewhere Um, starting to have um, – when seminars and conventions come back, start sponsoring those. Write some blog articles. Like, for instance, it's very – I don't want to say it's easy, but it's pretty straightforward to get a guest article on Gnome Stew.
1: Yep, it's true. And honestly, it's pandemic, so –
0: or, you know what? Go start the opposite of Gnome Stew. <laughs> yes. Gnome Stew is the GMing blog. Go start the player's blog. So, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll go start. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've maybe I've run through all the GMing advice there is to give. Maybe I'll just start going. I really can't. I'm actually not that. I, I, I think I'm an okay player. I'm a much better GM. Um, what
1: kind of creature? But somebody should go make. Yeah. What kind of creature would be in that stew pot? I want to know.
0: Here You know what? Let me tell you this if you go out there and make the player version of Gnome Stew, I will come write some guest articles. Like I will, like I will lend whatever meager platform or whatever (laughs) I have to it. I will come write you some guest articles on being a good player for whatever. Like I would happily do that in support of, of something along those lines. I think that there, I think that, I think this is this, the reason I jumped on this topic is cuz I think it's an iceberg.
1: It is an iceberg. I think it's it's I think it's there's so, so much, much of an iceberg.
0: <laughs> there's so much good stuff that is uh, that is lurking under the surface of this that it is well worth the discussion and many discussions around it. So. Yeah. Okay. In order to wrap up this episode, I think we still have enough time to briefly talk about a thing that's giving us life. Yes. So, uh I am going to ask you, I have one in mind myself that's pretty brief. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you, because I'm looking at you on video, about the thing that I think is giving you life right now, and that is...
1: My hair's all curly, um, which is exciting to me. So, <laughs> So I've been through baking, and I've been through cooking, and I'm still doing all of those things. For example, I had homemade brownies tonight with homemade ice cream and chocolate sauce on top of them, and it was very delicious, and that also gave me life, but... The thing that is truly giving me life right now is that because I am home so much because of the pandemic, because I'm not going into work all the time, um, it has given me the opportunity and the time to learn how to do pin curls. So I am going from like, ah, I just comb my hair and it's fine. And then I wear vintage clothes, like reproduction clothes. Um, to like, you know, if we're gonna do this vintage look thing, we might as well go all the way. Um, pin curls forever. So I'm very curly and I'm getting better at, uh, at my little 50s bob look. And, uh, this is only take like two um, so, uh, it's exciting.
0: <laughs> You've also posted pictures on Twitter. I have so posted if pictures wanna, on Twitter. Because people aren't going to see this. That's so true. they'll see pictures on on Twitter yep. of, of your pin curls. It's true. And they, they, are, they are very cute.
1: They're very fluffy. Um, I'm very fluffy.
0: Well, and it has achieved the thing that's been driving you crazy, eh, which is... My hair is... Your hair...
1: It shortens my hair enough to make it the length that it should be instead of the yes. length that it now is. <laughs>
0: Uh, exactly. Because
1: I have not had a haircut since February.
0: <laughs> yes. So that's um, that's a nice way to kind of, um, you know, uh, make lemonade out of your lemons.
1: Yeah. I'm using, I'm taking advantage of the long hair to experiment with vintage looks that I would not be able to experiment with should my hair be shorter again, which is not to say that I'm not going to chop it all off again the moment I feel safe to do so. In the meantime. I
0: think that's perfectly fine. It's
1: going to keep getting longer. <laughs> What's yours, Phil? What's given you life?
0: So, you know, I think we've talked about on the show, and I definitely have talked about Mr. DeMarc, that, you know, I went through and watched all of Deep Space Nine. Yes. um, In preparation for a Deep Space Nine watch club that is coming after our um, next-gen watch club concludes. And um, I've been having, like, a really, this whole pandemic, like, I've really gotten into uh, my Trek fandom again, yeah. right? Like i really kind of embraced it <laughs> and I wanted to do something that was just a little bit more in terms of that besides just watching episodes. So, um, and I didn't tell anybody about this. I just went off and did it on my own. Uh, I commissioned a friend of encoded design and uh, fantastic illustrator, Matt Morrow. Uh, I commissioned him t- to make me an illustration of me as a Star Trek captain uh, in the um, uh, in the um, latest uniform uh, for the um, Deep Space Nine um, era, so the one with the gray shoulders with the uh, colored turtleneck, and um, I gave him like I gave him a pretty detailed specifications for what i wanted and i wanted to look like me so i kept my glasses even though um glasses are not a thing that people wear in star trek um because they fix that in the future but um but
1: it had to look I decided like decided you. you get glasses.
0: i wanted it to look like me so i kept the glasses on there's some cases where people uh wind up get having glasses in episodes of star trek but whatever uh anyway So Matt did the, um, Matt did the illustration for me. It's fantastic. Um, and in doing so, I even like thought about like, well, what would my ship be? Right. Mm -hmm. So I even figured out my ship name, right. The, uh, the USS Ludington named after Sybil Ludington, the revolutionary war, uh, hero. And, um, and so I have this great illustration of me on the bridge of the, you can see the captain's chair behind me. Um,
1: can we share it in the show notes?
0: Uh, we can share it in the show notes. It is also on Twitter as well. Okay. I posted it out on Twitter so people well, we'll can find it there as well. We'll I remember to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Good. Uh, you can just put the tweet in if you find oh, it. we
1: should just do
0: that. Captain Vecchione. Um, but anyway, I really had fun doing it. And uh, at some point, I'm going to print it out and frame it and put it up. Because um, I really I really dug it. Um, can
1: I say something about Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I'm a real Trek nerd now because I have now fought about pseudoscience technology on the internet with other Trek nerds.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Like, congr- <laughs> you, like you have cleared a major. You have I, gotten is into now your first.
1: Inescapable. I cannot back out.
0: It is you have you have entered a whole new world. <laughs> I believe that was uh, the uh, second chances episode with Thomas Riker. Oh
1: boy, it just raised some issues for me with how the transport beams work. <laughs>
0: Can I tell you there's a very specific reason why we watched that episode?
1: Uh, Does he come back? <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. Anyway, we should, uh, we should wrap this show up. It is. It's
0: time to wrap up. Yeah. Say, send a where? Uh, oh, no, no,
1: can, no, no. Can, can I tell you about another
0: show? Please, before I get to the end of the show, please uh, tell me about another show, on The Mister
1: Mark. Awesome! Network. I'm going to tell you about Down with D and D, where the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin and Teos dish about everything D and D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. Check it.
0: Out. I, I, I feel like Teos is going to need like a few more titles. Like, I know. <laughs> you got like the Mad the
1: it, Mad it, Wizard it, it Sean sound, Merwin.
0: It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound the same as the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin. And, and Teos. Teos, well, like I know it should be like the fearsome barbarian <laughs> Teos or something, you know, like the the, the enigmatic rogue, rogue Teos, the the, the, like,
1: the, the the powerful sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll just have to. You know what? I'll follow up on the Slack. We'll find out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just I, I feel like I feel like there's room. <laughs> I feel like there's room for some extra. Um, for some extra titles there. But anyway, down with D&D, fantastic show. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, yes.
0: So, send up. Yes. where do people find us on the internet? Well,
1: you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums where this particular question came from, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com or you can find it in the Tapitalk talk app if you prefer to have it on your mobile device, which is kind of a handy thing that I just set up. Um... Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information?
0: Uh, Please, 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 just like you said, please uh, leave us topics. Um, Sometimes we've been chit-chatting, but uh, when we see a topic that we like, we jump right on it and uh, dig in. And uh, we definitely enjoyed uh, tonight's topic, uh, and we will enjoy many more topics that you're going to provide us. In times outside of this pandemic, we have... um, We have tried to reach a like 99%. And succeeded, um,
1: I think. I think and
0: succeeded 99% or more of the time doing just shows about the topics that you... um, That you wanted. We've let our percentage drop during the pandemic because um, there's a little extra work involved and all that. And we've been taking it a little easier on ourselves. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. And we think we've been uh, we've been but now like we're feeling a little better. So we've been doing some more of these Mm. topics. So we do need them. Yes. Um, So send us your topics. And I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to make a statement. Normally. Uh We talk about GMing topics, yes. but if you want to send us a player yes. topic, we will do yeah, that. Yes,
1: send us your player topics. I want to yeah, talk about Yeah, we will them. do
0: player Woo-hoo! topics.
1: Maybe we should change our show description.
0: Does our show description only say GM? No, it
1: actually still it talks about one-shots and, and one-shots. campaigns, which is we nonsense. Can still,
0: we can talk about <laughs> players and one-shots and campaigns. Yeah, we could. And we can talk about player skills. We'll talk about whatever we feel like. And
1: you just tell us what you want to hear about, and we will talk about it.
0: Absolutely absolutely so cool uh, i feel like what we do here elsewhere on the misdirected mark network uh please consider supporting our patreon campaign go to patreon.com slash mmp uh patrons get access to a whole host of things the bonus outtakes from this show the after show from misdirected mark um access to our amazing slack community i love our slack community so much they are um they are just some of the dearest friends that i have uh, we like to do uh, little um, luncheons on Fridays. So Fridays for all of our um, folks who are working remote uh, during this pandemic, we've just been having zoom call luncheons been really fun. Uh, and we'd like to, we'd like to see you at, at those as well. So if you can, please consider being a patron. Um, we really appreciate it. The money um, that you pledge to the to the network uh, is what makes all of this possible, from server hosting to equipment to, um, well, just all of that stuff, microphones, cords, all that nonsense. Um, but it is actually stuff we really need. So super helpful, and we appreciate it immensely, uh, especially during these times. Now, if you're already supporting the Patreon campaign, which is wonderful, or unable to support the Patreon campaign, which is totally fine, um, there is another thing you can do because what we have learned uh, through uh, peer reviewed scientific study, I can't back any <laughs> of this
1: up. <laughs> I was um, ask what scientific through study? Through advanced it was.
0: statistical modeling. Sure. Also, cannot, also cannot back this is up. Is this just the asterisk
1: um, down in the corner?
0: Correct. Um, and. Um, And through um, non-linear mixed uh, effects modeling, Mm -hmm. uh, what we have learned is that if you listen to the show, you will love us and will continue to listen to the show. (laughs) So um, we need help with that, which is um, always we need other people to listen to us. So, of course, go and jam a copy of of this podcast, the URL or whatever, uh, into the hands of all your friends. But beyond that, there's another thing you can do that helps us immensely – What's that thing?
1: You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, every Every new review, no one understands how difficult it is for me to say this every single week. Just so you know, every new review we get actually really does help new people find the show. It really, really actually does because of the way that the algorithms work which is exciting and great. And it also lets us know that you're enjoying it, which makes us so unbelievably happy and like glowy and warm inside, warm and fuzzy in our tummies, like, you know, the panda version of Winnie the Pooh eating lots of honey, except it's bamboo. Um, Yes. So we super duper appreciate all of those reviews. Thank you so much to everybody who's left a review. Um, It really helps us out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cool. Say Senda. If you had to list eight skills that a player uh, was using at any one time, where would you start? Um, Communication.
1: This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. You eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Bloop Click, click, click. Click, click. No, no. Click, hey.
0: Click, click, boom. It's a song.
1: Oh, okay. because Do you not it- know that song? Uh, Apparently, I don't know, do I?
0: Apparently, you do not.
1: Well, it made me think of one that I know is not the song that you're thinking of, because it Mm. sounds vaguely familiar, but it's not coming to mind. But, of course, I've been watching lots of TikTok, so in my head I went, bang, bang, bang. (laughs) So put your best dress on, everybody. Pretend you love this song. Everybody come hang. Let's go out with a bang. Do, do, do. You don't know that one? Oh,
0: I don't think I do.
1: Really? Oh, man, it comes know. up on my feet so much. There's a thing people do now, which is like they go bang, 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 and then they bring their arms down, and that's where they do the, oops, I bumped the mic, but that's where they do the transition.
0: <coughs> okay. Um... <laughs> I don't think I know that one. I don't know.
1: How are our feeds? are so different sometimes. It's wild. That's been on my TikTok playlist for like a really long time because I liked the song so much.
0: You know we're not supposed to do a lot of before show, right? Yep, 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 yep,
1: yep, 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 yep. You're still
0: doing it. Are you ready?
1: Uh-huh. I thought I was waiting quietly for you to do the thing. <laughs> uh,
0: I think you might have been waiting. I don't think you were being quiet about
1: it. I thought I was being quiet. Okay. Being quiet now.
0: Bloop. And cue music.
1: <laughs>
0: Sometime later, they should make a montage of that.
1: Who's they? You mean me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> And it's the show. <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> Fair. I'm not gonna. Somebody else should do it. <laughs> and I don't have it up right now. We should have not started until I did that. Ding. Will you keep one. them entertained for a moment, please.
0: That's one. <laughs> like Marshall from the from the from the uh, slaps.
1: Slaps giving episode. Well what, what were we thinking that we started this show without me opening a window that had the information upon oh, it?
0: Oh, you know.
1: We just wanted to get started badly. Are you close
0: or do I have to no, you know keep to...
1: talking?
0: Oh, I gotta fill up some more dead yes. space. So anyway, we were we came up we we heard we were going through our list of topics and this one jumped out at us. Uh, and we both started having good ideas about it. So that's pretty much the secret to how a topic becomes a show is that it has to spark enough discussion between the two of us that we're like, oh, you know what? This thing does have enough meat to be a show.
1: Okay, I have it now. There we go. You'd think this was live or something. Good heavens.